0: All right, Um, Jesus, we just thank you for this uh, amazing opportunity we have today to be inspired by your story through each of our lives, through the mystery of the parables, and just how you taught us to read the Bible and to look at life. Uh, We just ask through our discussion and teaching today that each of us feels closer to you and closer to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Summer is saying goodbye with quite the wow in uh, September here. We had the barbecue at the house uh, on Friday night, and it was like 90 degrees out there that night. The last day of summer is just like, take this, guys. Um, But it still was fun, and I know I didn't put the pictures up yet. I'm sorry. I'll do that. Um, But there's no new visitors, right? Okay. We're skipping this part then. So uh, last Sunday, I started uh, a four, like three, four, five. I don't know. We'll figure out where it is. There's a lot of good content. A little series on Jesus, um, especially like how he taught, what he taught, how he showed us to read scriptures and to live it out. Because I think there's, we haven't really looked at the life of Jesus this way before. Uh, And it's just a different perspective to take, a different hill to climb up on and look down at his life and be like, okay, what is he doing here? And how does this relate to, especially how we're reading the scriptures? Last Sunday, Um, we talked about Jesus being the lens that we look through as we're interpreting scripture and that he is the final truth. Um, He's the clearest picture that we have of what God is like, it says in the scriptures. uh, He embodied the fullness of God, and then he models what it's like to be this, um, to live as, as human made in the image of God. And so we've got this example of Jesus, and that was last week. And So if you didn't hear it, you can go online and listen to the podcast. It was good stuff. Um, I'm intrigued about today's questions or our discussion portion because we're going to get into Jesus' parables today, but not actually reading them. We're going to talk about why parables and how that starts to change our lens and everything else. But one thing, I mean, uh, it's amazing that when you pick something to talk about and start walking towards it, how many things come out of the wood to support it and give you something different about it. Um, Surprisingly... (laughs) Uh, Keenan and Mia and I went to see it in the theater the night it opened. That first Thursday night, it was amazing. I wish you all were there. Keenan screamed at one point more than I've heard any human scream in a movie. The whole theater started screaming because it was scary, and then moments later they were all laughing because Keenan continued to scream. And I feel bad he's not here, and I'm picking on him, but it was so epic. Uh, a memory that I will have forever, and so. Uh, But I did a wedding two weeks ago in Duluth and that's why I missed a Sunday and I only had digital books with me and I was sitting by Lake Superior one morning early and Mia had brought this with because she's reading it and so I picked it up to start reading uh, it and something about the movie, the book which I'm now reading, um, the perspective opened up in just the, the dedication at the front. Stephen King, this is, to me, one of his scariest works. I, don't, I guess I'm not super familiar, but it, a clown, how could you get less scary than that? But he says, this book is gratefully dedicated to my children, to my mother and my wife. He says, my mother and my wife taught me how to be a man, but my children taught me how to be free. And he lists his three children's names. And he says, kids, fiction is the truth inside the lie. And the truth of this fiction is simple enough, the magic exists. He almost gives this little parable to his kids about truth being hidden, the lie, this whole story. There's something here. He dedicates one of his scariest works to me, to his children, and so that they taught him how to be free. And the premise, and so after I read this, and I read like the first chapter, and then all of a sudden, all I'm thinking about is this movie, part one that was in the theater, and all like the subtext, the, the deeper, like how could this be for his kids? What is he trying to get them to learn? One of the big things it pulls out is that fear, or there's a togetherness aspect when they're together, they're less afraid. When they're together, fear can't get a hold of them. And the big thing is that letting your fears run your life, Uh, part two of the movie will be when they're adults and how these childhood fears affected them their whole lives and and watch them. And so there's, he almost gives his kids this parable, this truths to be found inside of lies. He says all fiction can be This way, and it really made me think about this talk on parables that we're getting into. Because to be honest, when I was young, and even not so young, even graduating high school and through my twenties, I I had questions. I had questions about God and Scripture and all that kind of stuff, and they were uh, they were shot down. Like you're not questions were not encouraged. It was put that on a shelf. Don't ask those. Don't tell people. We don't want other people asking these questions. If God gives you a question. My instruction was you put it on a shelf and you just wait. Someday it'll be revealed, the answer to that. And if not, then you just weren't meant to know the answer to that. And I'm like, okay, well that's really easy when it comes to should I buy this or how we should dress or how many coats should I really have in my closet. But when it starts to come to like violence or some of these other things, I can't just put that on a shelf for 30 years and hope maybe Jesus will answer whether I should be violent or not. There's a way to view this stuff that's deeper. And parables are so amazing because they invite us into truths that aren't fixed. Because I think so much of life, we want these fixed truths. I want the answer. I want the interpretation of what's going on exactly so I know exactly what to do. We see the children of Israel. Jesus says, just follow me. Or God tells them to follow him. He'll lead them where they go. And they're like, this following stuff is too hard. Just give us a list what to do. I just want the black and white, yes, no. I don't want any interpretation. That stuff gets messy, and we see that doesn't work, and Jesus comes back again, and it's, it's even, it's not even just fault. Now he's giving us parables to go into, and he does uh, give the answer to some of them. He'll interpret them, but many of them, and most of them, go uninterpreted, but it almost invites us into something even greater. Um, they, he, he teaches in parables more than commands. His only command is to love one another as he has loved us. He quotes the love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart. But his only command that comes from him is I want you to love your neighbor as I've loved you. The law of love, he, he, he sends us forth with this. But all his parables seem to support this and invite us into something deeper. And so most of his teaching is, is parables. And they're not this... Finite truth that ev- that no one can debate exactly what Jesus says. They're nebulous. They're they're large. They're interesting. They're confusing, as God seems to like to be. That's it's bigger than just what we can put our eyes on, what we can put our ears to. There there's a searching, a debating, a questioning that needs to happen. Happen. And these parables and the way Jesus does most of his teaching invites us into a life of questions, a life of deeper thought on things a life of discussion together they're interesting because they do they invite us into something and beyond just inviting us into a world that is better than what we have now a world maybe in what it was originally created to be how we were originally created to be it desensitizes us to stuff that's really hard for us like um, living life just for yourself or material gain or these things it starts to introduce these truths through these stories to be like oh shoot Maybe it's not the way I thought it was. Maybe the Samaritans aren't our worst enemies. The story of the good Samaritan is such a great parable for this. He, he shocks them, but the shock invites them and starts to desensitize them. Man, maybe that my enemies and who I thought was my enemies aren't the ones. and Maybe my friends aren't going to be there always when I thought they were. And it, it, it starts to desensitizing us to seeing the world in a bigger lens. And I think we all can relate to needing, seeing this. That the Bible is not this clear black and white, that there is... There's themes, definitely common themes, but the themes come through parables and multiple stories and multiple people, and so we have to patch them together, and we've got to talk about them, and we've got to pull them out, and then how do we live it? Because it, it looks one way to this first century medieval times that they're living in, and it looks really different when it comes to iPhones and automobiles that can drive themselves now and... Uh, things like that that are going on around us. It's a it's a different world, but these parables still invite us into how does that look today? How does that make us think, react, feel? Uh, and Jesus tells us there for ears that are willing to hear, that are open to hear, that want to be involved in this. Um, it teaches us to read our Bible differently because he uses this framework as most of his teaching. This this encompassing like there's something more here. Let's dialogue about it. Something where the disciples would listen. Those who were closest to him be like, what the heck are you talking about? And they'd have to dive into conversation. Sometimes Jesus answered it for them and sometimes you'd see them discussing it alongside the road trying to figure out the answers on their own. They're like these little works of art. Uh, These little short stories, short fiction that encompass so much truth, but it's not just this like, let me, it's not, um, it doesn't just spit it out in the easiest terms possible so you could get it. Like, Kelly, green is the only color you wear. That's his tweetable response to the rule. It's, it's this nebulous something more is going on. It reminds me of, like, uh, Japanese um, poetry, haiku. And the best haiku artists are able to really get into controversial subjects and even have some satire and get you to chuckle in these very tiny thoughts. And you're just like, wait a minute, what is the author saying here? And they won't ever interpret them. The best, the masters of haiku will not give you the answer. Because the answer is different to every person, you got to go into this and find it. And I think it's so similar to the parables of Jesus. So many times, um, they don't reduce something to this simple formula. Uh, in some ways, that they're they're actually even to hide truth and not just make it plain as day. So some, there is a seeking that happens. There is a community that we're going after. Um, there also is this time release effect when it comes to parables. Um, We'll see an example in the example all through scriptures is that the, the, the voice of God the, that whispers and calls us is a lot of times shown as a seed throughout scripture. The seed that's planted, the seed that you plant, the seed is God's voice speaking to us. somewhere. Whether it's through the text or through something that inspires us to his Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we see this seed, but Jesus teaches in these pithy, memorable parables So that people would remember them, but they would also discuss them and try to figure out what's going on. And these parables start to spread because more and more people are talking about it. And all of a sudden, the audience is much larger than the one who just heard it. And the seeds we see begin to get watered, they begin to take root, they begin to grow, they begin to go faster than something else we've had. Our logo for Bloom is a dandelion seed. Those of us who have lawns hate it when that little yellow flower all of a sudden turns white and is about to release like a hundred other dandelions into your yard in a moment's notice. But that's like this message to us. It can get in the weirdest cracks. It is almost indestructible to multiple treatments of weed killer. It can get to places, and it takes seed, and it happens. And it isn't the most beautiful flower out there, yet it's something amazing it can do. Um... So I want to start actually in Isaiah when we're talking about this, because I want, I want you to think about it, these parables and this message of God, this message of grace and his love is acceptance, being this seed that is germinating as we're talking about these things. And so Isaiah 55, he says, my intentions are not always yours. I do not go about things as you do. My thoughts and my ways are above and beyond you, just as heaven is far from your reach here on earth. For as rain and snow can't go back once they've fallen, but soak into the ground and nourish the plants that grow, providing seed to the farmer and bread for the hungry, so it is when I declare something. My word will go out and not return to me empty, but will do what I wanted and it will accomplish what I determined. This is the Holy One speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's like, When I send forth truth, when I whisper something into existence, it doesn't come back without what I wanted it to happen. We see Jesus send these parables out and you'll still see people debate, like, oh, people weren't supposed to hear. Only a select amount. There's Christians that, that God only speaks to a select one of us and the rest are unworthy. And so that's part of what's going on in the parables is only the select with the right Holy Spirit on the inside of them can interpret these things. But he's saying, when I send a word out, it's, it's going to produce. Like these seeds that go out from me, they're, they're planted. And yes, some take longer to take root. And yes, some are starved out by other things. But there's something happening here that's bigger than how you understand things. Um, in the scriptures, there's 35 to 46 parables. It's debatable, which is funny. Debatable how many parables there are, of which ones are actually parables and not. Um, uh, the largest theme in Jesus' parables is the kingdom of heaven. Hearing, seeking, and growing. This kingdom of heaven is among us, but it also, at the same time, the kingdom of heaven is always encapsulated within this hearing, seeking, growing. There's something to this. Most of the parables have gone this way. And we see this great example that I want to go into today. It's in all three of the major gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, told in different ways. Uh, They pretty much ask Jesus what's going on and why he tells parables. Uh, but it happens after he tells a specific parable. So I want to go into this. I want to start in Luke 8, and we're going to read the parable as Jesus says it, and then we're going to bounce to Matthew 13 because there's a little more depth to, his, to what goes on in that one, and we're going to go back to Luke 8 for his answer. So in Luke 8, verse 5, Jesus says, Once a farmer went out to scatter seeds in his field. Seeds again. Some seeds fell along a trail where they were crushed underfoot by people walking by. Birds flew in and ate those seeds. Other seeds fell on gravel, and those seeds sprouted but soon withered, depleted of moisture under the scorching sun. Still, other seeds landed among thorns, where they grew for a while, but eventually the thorns stunted them so that they could thrive so that they, they could not thrive or bear fruit. But some seeds fell into good soil: soft, moist, free from thorns. These seeds not only grew, but they also produced more seeds. Hundred times what the farmer originally planted. If you have ears, hear my meaning. A lot of times he says this when he talks about a parable. If you're listening, hear what I'm saying. It's this invitation to something more. It says, His disciples heard the words, but the deeper meaning eluded them here. And so if we jump now to Matthew 13, the same part. It says, the disciples say it to Jesus, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus says, the knowledge of the secrets of heaven has been given to you, but it has not been given to them. Now, this is a, fant- this is a horrible and fantastic debate. The who is the you and who is the them here. You will see all kinds of different things people are trying to figure out. Um... He says, "Those who have something will be given more, and they will have abundance. And those who have nothing will lose what they have, and they will be destitute." I teach him parables so that people may look but not see, listen but not hear, and understand. And they are fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. And so we're going to read Isaiah's prophecy in a second. But I want you to understand. His answer is almost a parable in itself. Like it's this. Like what are you? What, gee, what are you talking about again, Jesus? Like, who's hearing? Who's not? Because it's obvious the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was talking about here. So were they not the ones that were here? He wants them to understand. And he's going to tell us at the end of all this, I want everyone to understand these. So he's not trying to hide things. But Isaiah's prophecy says, you will listen, but you will not understand. there's talking to the children of Israel. You will look, but you will not see. The people's hearts have turned to flab. Their ears are clogged. Their eyes are shut. They will try to see, but they will not see. They will try to hear, but they will not hear. They will try to understand, but they will not comprehend. If they, with their blindness and deafness, so... Oh, then this is back from Isaiah. This is Jesus again. He's done quoting Isaiah. He says, If they, with their blindness and deafness, so choose, I will heal them. He's like, if anyone doesn't want to be blind or deaf anymore and want this, I'm going to heal them. They're going to be able to understand. He says, Many holy prophets and righteous men and women and people of prayer and doers of good have wanted to see but did not see and have wanted to hear but did not hear. Your eyes and your ears are blessed, he's telling his disciples that are around, because he's going to give them the answer and something's about to go down here. And so now we jump back to Luke and he gives the answer. I want you to understand, he says. So here's the interpretation to this parable. The voice of God falls on human hearts like seeds scattered across a field. Some people hear that message, but the devil opposes the liberation that would come to them by believing. So he swoops in and he steals the message from their hard hearts like a bird stealing seeds from a footpath. So the devil swoops in and steals. Others receive the message enthusiastically, but their vitality is short-lived because the message cannot be deep-rooted in their shallow hearts. In the heat of temptation, their faith withers like a seed that is sprouted in the gravelly soil. A third group hears the message, but at the time, but as time passes, the day, the daily anxiety is the pursuit of wealth. And life's addicting delights outpace the growth of the message in their hearts. And even if the message blossoms and fruit begins to form, the fruit never fully matures because the thorn chokes out that plant's vitality. But some people hear the message and let it take root, and deep, let, it take, let it take root deeply in receptive hearts made fertile by honesty and goodness, with patience and dependability. They will bear good fruit. So Jesus starts to answer, they ask him why he says this parable to them, he almost says a parable and why he says parables, then he gets into the answer of the first one, getting into the voice of God is spreading seed everywhere, and there's different, he gives four examples of different heart conditions that are receiving it or not. Ones that just have no ground to take root, they're not ready, there hasn't been, the soil isn't ready, no one has kept it ripe. Uh, A lot of times, a lot of theologians and even other parables and parts of Scripture talk about how that's part of even our job is helping prepare the hearts of people to even hear these things and talk about them. But he talks about the world clustering things out and outpacing it, our desire for wealth or the um, things in life that are, uh, I love the way the addicting delights outpace the growth of the message. Uh, This is something that all of us can can wrap our minds around. And he's like, so this is where it takes root and where it doesn't. Now the disciples just listen to this parable and obviously it didn't take root right away. They're confused. They're trying to figure things out. What helps it take root? What's Jesus getting at here? He describes to them what's going on and the scripture goes on to something else. We don't know the conversations that ensue after that, what's happening. But this parable is about seed and about getting it into your heart and letting it germinate, turn into something else. Scripture talks many times about watering seeds. Paul at one point says, I plant the seed, Apollos waters, but it's God who's eventually getting all the credit for everything that happens. There's things that we're doing, the conversations we're having together, the lifestyle example that we're getting are watering seeds that God has put in every person's heart that's out there. It's showing something different. It's allowing that to grow more. But it's even, it's, it's, it's for us as well. If we want to understand the truths of Scripture, the parables that Jesus is giving, we've got to chew on it. We've got to think about it. We've got to let it go down in our heart. We've got to practice it for a little bit and see if, it, if there's something here. There's uh, parts of Scripture that says if you're not willing to walk out this faith, it's as good as dead if you don't want to practice. If we just want to talk all day long and not be like, okay, what's it look like to, to love my neighbor? Let me try this. Let me start with baking cookies or apricot, what are they called? Apricot cookie cookie pies. And if you didn't get an apricot cookie pie, there's only two left and they're worth fighting over. But that's not what Jesus is telling us through the parable. So that's the human craving. But it's, he gives parable after parable after parable that start taking us down this journey of trying to understand, especially like we said, the kingdom of heaven first, but this, this growing, this listening, this... If you were paying attention to what I was doing, if you were... Well, how do we pay attention? We look at it from different angles. We talk about it. We're, we talk about questions we didn't think about. When I was reading it and thinking about all the different things that came up that might have been beneficial to his kids, why he would have dedicated to them, I call Keenan. I'm like, did you think about this? And, we, and he has ideas that I never heard about. And like, Seriously, you've watched a movie and then afterwards like, missed like those sudden... Those little things. What was the movie we watched all together? Another horror movie. It's so fantastic. For it. The one with the uh, Get Out, or what was it? Uh, get Out, there's so many hidden little things, and so all of a sudden people are talking. Did you notice this in the movie? Like, this was happening. These were subtle references to something else. and all, You get talking, and you get a bigger perspective of what's going on, and now a film that could just be a film that one person turns to do. There's a ton of meaning in here. There's a, like, ooh, ouch, like, where? That might be me. Like, shoot, like, what am I doing? How do I change this? The same... It's with how we read the Bible. The same as why we do discussion at Bloom. I don't just want to give you some verse and be like, go home and do exactly as I tell you. It's what questions come up because of this? Why is this hard? Why is this easy? What have you put into practice? What else have you read that supports this or makes you confused about this? This kind of stuff grows our faith. This is the kind of stuff that starts tending that soil, nourishing that seed that's already in there so it can grow, so it doesn't just get choked out by the busyness and the pace of life or by lack of understanding or something else. We... We allow it to start to take root. We allow those roots to grow and to develop into something. But it, it, it takes care. It takes nourishment. It takes us looking at it and, and wondering what's going on. The amazing thing here is that if you read these parables and if you go back here, the obvious is that Jesus wants people to hear. It's not a, I'm hiding this from someone. I want everyone to hear. I want you to want to hear. If there's anything stopping you, it's like, just a desire to have that removed. I would heal whatever is in the way of anyone being able to have this. And so we need to know that, first and foremost, he, he wants this for each and every one of us. But then he teaches in parables, which are hidden meanings, and there's something more to this. And so how does that help us read the Bible as we're going through this? Because it's not just the parables that we should be like, is this what God has wanted? What's going on? Who is he talking to here? We do it through all Scripture. Is someone? Is this the message that is... Cohesive throughout the scripture is someone got off on left field here on this, this part and all of a sudden we see God steer them around sometime later. Um, do we take things to a deeper level? Do we engage our imagination? Do we think and then start to think again and question? And do we, are we okay with questions with one another? Because this is what it's all about. Do you go home and is there someone in your life that if you have questions on Sunday and you didn't feel comfortable asking the circle that you can talk to someone else about Or midweek when you think of something or when you get a weird analogy because you're reading a horror book or watching a movie and all of a sudden something clicks about the life of Jesus, a seed is planted through someone else completely, like do you have people you can talk about with that, that can be there with you, that can help question, wrestle, look at things differently? It invites us to ask questions and so are we asking questions? Are we stirring curiosity or do we just listen and be like, okay, that was good. Or does it invite us into more? Because questions breed more questions which take us down the rabbit hole but the rabbit hole is unrevealing or is revealing mysteries that are hidden to the world because it's not just everyday common stuff. Oh yeah, if we all loved our enemies the world would be a great place. It sounds surreal and beautiful and in itself sounds simple and everything would be good until you try it out, until you have an enemy, until someone has hurt you so bad that there is some root of bitterness on the inside of you that you're like that pain can't just get washed away with a good notion of loving your enemy. And we need something, we need a word that's more than just a thought, that it has healing attached to it, that it has power, that as we wrestle with it, it goes down and changes us. It it entices us into something bigger, or desensitizes us to the fact of something more powerful going on here than we're aware of, than we're ready for. Uh, the Jews of the time are getting desensitized towards their neighbors that they thought were their enemies at the time. They're getting desensitized towards owning slaves and what that looks like and how they interact with that, what it's like to have women speak up in church and have a voice because the culture at the time did not give women um, a good voice. And so we see the trajectory of Scripture always like being more and more inclusive, more and more breaking people out of these cultural norms that have held them down into something different. And this has continued as this Jesus' lends through these parables, these short stories that invite us into looking something different. So what are they inviting you into? What are they desensitizing you towards? What questions are they bringing up for you? What parables stand out that are either super confusing or have brought you inspiration? Because us as a community, if we really want to be honest, if we're not looking at these things from different angles, if we're not even um, Im- willing to entertain an angle that seems completely different to how we've grown up and believed, or even what we're teaching regularly here because we, we see something new in Scripture, we're, we're missing out, and we should be allowed. We should have a healthy space for this kind of stuff. And I think it happens, but it happens more, it needs to happen more even outside of Sunday, when we're, when we're sweating in the backyard, eating barbecue, when we're um, stressed out from a hard day at work where we've tried to love our neighbor, and now I just want to throw my stapler at him. And, uh, like, how do we resolve this? How do we talk about it? How do we learn from one another? Again, Paul reminds us that our stories are epistles that are still being written. And we don't want them to be mysteries. We want to share our perspective, our ideas, our what's worked and what's not as a community. I think the parables invites us into learning and growing even more this way. That it's not as easy as we thought it was. It's not as black and white as we thought it was. There's something deeper here. And that if we're willing to hear, if we want to listen, if we want to dig deep. We'll find something amazing together in these scriptures. Um, I'm going to pray quick, and then we're going to go into discussion, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes. But Jesus, we invite you into our lives. We ask for your help. We ask for you to not just give us answers, but give us the right questions. Help us to dive deeper, put people across our path that, are, that have unique perspectives that will lend truth and seeds to what we're already dealing with, and help us to also be those ears willing to hear someone else's story and to give perspective and to share our own story, we just ask that as we dive into this and as we continue to grow as a community that you just help us to find more and more of this truth together, how to live out this community even more, um, not just uniquely, but, but on point, on mission, authentically together. In Jesus' name, amen.